title is used for identification purposes only. Union campaign material is not to be distributed on official union resources, equipment, and or publications, including social, social media sites not created with union funds. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Whenever it is you have an opportunity to tune in and listen to the Solidarity Effect podcast, we really appreciate everybody's time to take an opportunity to listen to these important interviews we're having um, on the Solidarity Effect podcast. And tonight we have a very special guest with us. Uh, This is Walter Gerlach from the great country of Canada. And uh, welcome, Walter. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad, Kevin. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Say, I just wanted to uh, thank you for uh, taking the time tonight to have a conversation about a great many things. One of which we're going to get into is the uh, the uh, race for the general secretary treasurer. But before we do that, I uh, just want to do a brief introduction. And if you could uh, tell the listeners, you know, what uh, what shop you came out of, how long you've been in the union, uh, what offices you've held, et cetera. So the floor is yours, brother. Thanks. Well, I actually uh, was lucky enough to uh, initiate into uh, Automotive Local Lodge uh, 1857 right out of trade school. I graduated from trade school and went right to work uh, at uh, an automotive shop uh, that was uh, certified with the IM and was lucky enough uh, because of that kind of type of certification that uh, uh, had an offer to uh, go to work there and then to apprentice there and was able to uh, do my apprenticeship achieving uh, what we have here in Canada is red seal certification as an automotive service technician. So, uh, a uh, great opportunity to work under a collective agreement uh, right from the get-go. Um, have enjoyed that type of... Uh, actually worked there until I uh, started working for the union full-time in uh, January of 2002 uh, as a business representative. So uh, kind of working my way from uh, uh, shop steward on the floor to being a uh, member at large with a local and then... The, secretary of a local and and uh, lucky enough to be elected into uh, one of the executive of the district and given a great many opportunities through the union to uh, to better understand the labor movement and to uh, serve the labor movement. That's awesome. Um, so let's get right to the nuts and bolts. Uh, as you know, we have, we're in the throes of the uh, race for the general secretary treasurer's position for our union, the IEM. And so I just want to start out by asking you, you know, how do you know Sister Dora? Wow, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, how, well, obviously, I know uh, uh, Dora through um, interactions that we would have had at uh, conventions and whatnot, and also... Um, uh, as I said, I was elected business representative in uh, January 2002 and sure. uh, elected as a directing business representative in, in August uh, 2013. So in that position as a directing business representative, you have some interactions with uh, uh, the GST department, uh, you know, with uh, everyday type of uh, uh, goings-ons and stuff. Uh, but moreover, uh, I think... Uh, some of the other interactions would have also been, I've been on the uh, IAM Law Committee as a Canadian representative since October 2014, so there would have been some work that was done between the Law Committee and the Executive Council 
um, in regard to you know constitutional changes to the constitution at, at the last convention. Uh, so there was uh, some work back and forth there, along with uh, everyday kind of uh, um, administration stuff that our staff does here with the GST's department. So that type of relationship. Sure. So uh, just for the listeners' benefit, uh, the, for those that may not really understand what the law committee really does, can you, can you give kind of a brief overview about what your responsibilities are on the law committee? Yeah, so the law committee is a five-person committee. It's made up of uh, uh, four delegates uh, from the United States and one and one from from Canada. So you get a five-person committee. And what happens is, uh, you know, we are we are governed by our constitution, and our constitution is uh, comes up for uh, changes at our at our at the Grand Lodge convention. And uh, locals have the ability to to uh, uh, put in uh, put in propositions to change that constitution, and the law committee then um, what we're asked to do, uh, or what the constitution suggests, is we look at those uh, propositions and we analyze them uh, against the constitution, how we operate as a union, and then we will make recommendations as, as a committee. Um, uh, on each one of these propositions, do does it make sense to bundle this proposition with some of the other propositions that are put put together that are like-minded, so that we're not doing 20 of the same uh, during a convention? And then we make recommendations to say, yes, you know what, you know this makes sense um, and for these reasons, or um, you know we understand you know what the locals looking for here, or locals are looking for. However, we see these things as pitfalls. So um, I could tell you that the last convention, you know, uh, when we had a proposition in front of us that suggested that the Constitution should be changed and we should, you know, add a member's bill of rights to it, you know, as a committee, we looked at that and looked at the language and worked with that to say, absolutely, you know, we should put a member's bill of rights into, a con- into the Constitution so our members can read that and understand that, you know, the union works for them. You know, that's obviously a, a very high responsibility uh, that you hold when you serve on that law committee. It's a very important uh, position when it comes to administering the convention for the membership. So uh, thank you for your service on that law committee because I know it's it's very important. So um, let's let's talk about the, um, the election that took place or the nomination process in the country of Canada. Recently, there was an open position for the Canadian general vice president's position. And if you could uh, tell the listeners how that process laid out for uh, our Canadian brothers and sisters and you in particular, uh, how the entire process, um, you know, basically played out for everyone. Well, okay. So, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I met with a great many locals uh, during that time and, and I shared with them that, you know, for myself, uh, I had been uh, being approached more and more often over the last five years uh, from members across the country, you know, asking me to consider putting my name forward to run for the general vice president position um, uh, in the next uh, in the next election cycle. And as part of that, um, I knew that I would have to make a decision in regard to the fact that 
I'm already elected onto the law committee. So uh, I, I contacted uh, International President Bob Martinez and, and had a conversation with him to say, you know, Bob, here's what's been going on. There's been a lot of people approaching me to consider this general vice president position. And um, I'm going to uh, reach out to a bunch of locals and cover, have conversations with them. And I know that, uh, um, you know, I will have to uh, make my intentions clear. Will I be seeking a nomination, at, you know, for the law committee as a Canadian representative or that for the general vice president? So um, that's exactly what I did. I had conversations with locals to see, you know, where my support was. Uh, felt very comfortable with that support. So then I went back and had a conversation with the international president and said that uh, um, I am going to uh, not put my name forward to run for the uh, law committee and that I would thus be putting my name forward uh, to run I had that same conversation with uh, General Vice President Stan Pixel of the Canadian Territory so that they understood that um, I would not be seeking a, a nomination uh, for the law committee uh, to remain on the committee. So how was is, how is that openness received with letting them know exactly what your intentions were up front and ahead of time? How, how was that received by them? Because... You know, obviously, you served a lot of time on the law committee, uh, so you're a valuable member. And and making the jump to decide either or uh, up front before it even started, how how was their response to to uh, to that? Well, I had a conversation with uh, Mr. Martinez, and and you know the first the first response was, you know, one of thanking me for my service and uh, on the law committee, and and one of Wow, you know, we sure hate to lose you because you know we think you've done a great job, you know, both for the brothers and sisters in Canada, but in the United States, with you know, with your work on the law committee. However, um, do understand that uh, uh, you know that there is, you know, you do have support, and, and you would like to seek that position. So um, it was a great conversation, to be honest with you. Um, uh, it was, it was obviously. Uh, um, he appreciated the fact that, um, you know, that I was making a clear decision and, and laying that out there. And, and the same thing with, uh, you know, uh, Brother Pixel. We had the conversation and, and said, you know, when I told him that I had made that decision, he was very appreciative of the fact that, you know, um, I was, you know, making it known that uh, there would be an opening in Canada on that law committee and that, uh, um that I, you know, quite frankly, that, you know, my intentions are transparent. And, and that's fantastic because, you know, it, it's a stark contrast to the opponent that is running against Dora because, uh, and just to, just to point out the difference um, or actually the similarities, uh, her opponent um, gave indication that she was running for the law committee and that's it. And that was fine. And then all of a sudden, out of left field, it was, I'm going to run for the general secretary's position. There was no transparency. It was a complete um, surprise and, and you know, kind of a switcheroo type of situation, which, you know, really tells volumes to, to, to your integrity 
and to how everybody handled it up in Canada. You know, just being upfront about about what your intentions were and and to let the chips fall as they may. Um, so at the end of the, at the end of that nomination process, uh, can you tell the listeners what was the end result and and how did you move forward uh, after that process was over? The process here in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, kind of the way you summarize it, I find it's interesting because I don't know uh, how much background you've done on, on my candidacy or not, but. So my tagline was inclusive leadership with integrity. And so for me, quite frankly, uh, you know, uh, when I talk to, you know, our reps or when I talk to stewards and stewards training, I always tell people in the labor movement, you know, uh, quite frankly, that's the piece we have, right? That That's the only, you know, that's the piece, the foundational piece that we have that allows us to do what we do in our representative roles for our members. Okay, we need we need to have that integrity to to have that support from the membership to do what we do. We need to have that integrity to be able to to negotiate and to to find resolutions and 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 uh, those types of things with employers. So really, what we do is really built on that whole integrity piece. And for me, uh, you know, it was about going into an election with integrity. And coming out of the election with that integrity intact, because you know that to me that's you know the foundation of, of the work that we do. So um, I felt that uh, you know through the, the campaign process here in Canada, um, uh, I thought that both David and I, you know, we went, we talked to you know virtually uh, through virtual meetings, we talked with with local lodges, and we were busy talking about ourselves. Right. We weren't we weren't talking about each other. I mean, there would sometimes be people that you know tr- try to put questions in front of us that would suggest that we ought to talk about each other. But those things were typically met with, you know, I'm sure you can have an opportunity to ask that you know that uh, candidate yourself that question directly. I'm here to talk about myself and not the other candidate. And uh, you know, sometimes there'd be people that try to bait you into things, but um, you know, you just, the bottom line is, you know, you just want to give that, that straight, honest answer to whatever questions were coming your way, because really that to me is what I believe that our members, uh, um, you know, are looking from or for from, from the leadership of their union is to you know have that basis uh, of trust. And I know that that was really a big piece for the, you know, for the folks that asked me to run that was what they were expecting me to bring to the job. And, you know, I, I, I'm just a huge, you know, a huge uh, proponent of, you know, being respectful, transparent and honest in, uh, you know, in the work of leadership. So, and, and that's, that's, that's just great because it, it's refreshing to hear that, you know, in, in your situation uh, in Canada, it sounds like both you and, and David, who ultimately prevailed in that election, both talked about your issues, about what you could bring to the table in the position of the general vice president. It wasn't a mudslinging contest. It was just, you know, here I am, here he is. Uh, we both have a vision. We both have, you know, uh, where we think we sh- should go. And you really just left it up to the members to make that critical decision. But it wasn't 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, it certainly sounds like it was not a negative campaign. And in fact, uh, it, what I'm hearing you say, Walter, is, you know, that was something that was really kind of frowned upon. It's like, we're not going there. It's like, we have two people here that are seeking the position of the general vice president. And they, you both have visions about where you need to go. And this is what we believe in. And you just really let the members decide based on that. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, absolutely. Because the reality is here that it, you know, running for leadership and being supported to run for leadership is it's quite an honor, okay, to, to actually right. ever be elevated to that type of position. And uh, it can never be uh, about the individual, you know, running for that position. That can't ever take a greater role than the position or that of the stature of the organization and the work that we do day in and day out. And at no point in time during that, you know, uh, election cycle here in Canada where David and I are campaigning for that same position that uh, uh, I believe that we were uh, doing anything that would directly hurt our organization um, because that would be counterproductive to the amount of years that we've invested in, you know, in, in uplifting workers and, and through our organization and not wanting to damage, you know, how people might see the organization. Because part of the problem is that um, sometimes things can be said and they can be misconstrued and people will, you know, will actually look to damage the work in the organization when not even really understanding the issue. So based on that, um, you know, the, the, the opponent for Dora is running a, a pretty substantial negative campaign. Uh, and so in the long run, based on really what you said, being counterproductive, um, being counterproductive and destructive, you know, th- th- that obviously isn't good for the organization as a whole, is it? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to suggest to you that I've read all of the material. Sure. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've seen pieces here and there, right. and I've seen enough to understand, quite frankly, right from the get-go, that um, uh, you know some of the material is you know very damaging um, to the IAM as an overall. Um, when, you know, when people were to look at that and read it and suggest that you know that everything that they've read is, is truthful. Uh, and that that's damaging on its own. Um, I think that the other piece is that again, what happens when you put information out there? Um, uh, people may not understand, you know, some of that information and and how how you know how some of those pieces go together. And, and I mean, some of it, I look at it and go, you know, it's an impossible thought to have, you know, that uh, you know some of these allegations you know that are being thrown against sister dora that you know um that one that one position um is responsible for for the alleged damage uh that had happened in this situation or that situation when it's when it's you know it's not even true it's, that right. one position doesn't hold the power uh to do those things so um but people may believe that you know it does and uh, so uh you know, we have, I think we have a structure in the IAM. We have an executive council, right? And they work together to make some very high level decisions. And, um, you know, some of the material suggests that, you know, um, Dora, 
you know, Dora was, you know, making decisions that would be contrary to the complete executive council and, and you know, uh, with negative, uh, you know, negative impacts on our whole organization. And anyone who understands the structure of our organization would also understand that um, that's not possible. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that, that's, that's totally true. Um, so when it, when it comes to, you know, these, these, you're absolutely right. These are very important positions. They, they hold a tremendous level of responsibility. They really do. Um, so when we're talking about integrity, I think that's it's a great theme for everybody to have uh, because it is truly the foundation of everything that we do in this organization. So how important is integrity to you when it comes to electing leaders? an absolute right i mean like i said i ran i ran on inclusive leadership with integrity i think that uh and i think i and you know i've never held a position in our union that i believe was a position that you know um i ended up being in because of for you know uh just because i am myself i mean every position i've ever held is an elected position Right. right and you're elected by you know, you're elected by the sisters and brothers um, into those positions because they see something and, you know, they want to have trust in leadership. They want to have trust in, in leadership that, you know, again, is being respectful, transparent, honest, and has integrity. And, it's you know, to me, it's an absolute must because that's, that's what we rely on in our organization uh, to have that trust in our elected officials. Sure. You know, to doing the right thing all the time. Absolutely. Uh, so finally, uh, you know, in, in regards to everything that's going on, obviously the election is coming on April 24th. Is it important uh, for the members to, to really get out and vote for Dora in this election? And really, honestly, why should they care? Uh, I mean, because let's be honest, there, there, there are some people that may not understand really the process, but really as an overall uh, view, why is it important for our members to be involved in this process? That's a good question. Um, and the reason that we obviously, we want our members to be in, to be involved, to be part of the process is because we are a democratic, uh, organization to the core and we are driven and directed by our membership. And we see that we see that at our conventions when we change our constitution. We see that at our conventions through resolutions of what direction our organization should take. We see that when our members create proposals, when our members vote on the collective agreements that they want to work under. We see that we are one of the only unions that still, you know, elects its business representatives, and we believe in that process. So we obviously. We believe in that process to carry on into how we elect uh, we elect our, our executive council, including the secretary treasurer's position. And why it's important is for that one reason. The other piece is, you know, with Dora, um, you know, we Dora Dora's held that position for some time now. We've seen right. we've seen the work that Dora's done in that position, and you know. Uh, it's a known, it's a known commodity. Uh, it's, it's, you know, she's somebody that we've trusted to do the work and we've seen the work that she's done. And so that, that is important for us to 
go to move forward and, and to, you know, support somebody that we know and we know can do the work. And somebody who's also, you know, um, ran a campaign, um, you know, quite frankly, that's been respectful, transparent, honest, and one with integrity. Great, great words of wisdom there, brother. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, and I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to have this conversation. And before we end, I just, again, want to throw out there that uh, uh, if Ian Scott Anderman wants to get a hold of the Solidarity Effect and come on and have a conversation on the podcast, uh, the door is open. We haven't heard from her yet, but uh, we never know. Brother, I really appreciate the time uh, to call in uh, and explain your experience and, and the right way of running Um above the board with integrity uh, for that position uh, in the, in the Canadian territory. So uh, um, any final, uh, any final thoughts? Well, you know, one, thanks for reaching out and, uh, you know, having some interest in what happened here in Canada in regard to the general vice president uh, position. And, you know, I can agree more with you that uh, it's important for the members to go and uh, be part of, you know, practicing their democratic right to vote and uh and support sister dora all right sounds good so again thank you so much brother and uh, you you'd be safe up there in canada and and who knows maybe in the future we'll we'll have another opportunity to have another conversation because uh we support in solidarity our canadian brothers and sisters um so with that uh thank you so much for everybody for tuning in to the solidarity effect this week and uh, you uh, take care of yourself and be safe thanks walter The election for the General Secretary-Treasurer's position is coming up on Saturday, April 24th from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Check your local for voting location if you plan to vote in person or you can vote absentee. Visit goiam.org website for the absentee ballot request form and guidelines to make sure that your vote counts. Get your request in early to avoid mail delays. Vote for Dora Cervantes for General Secretary Treasurer.